We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to another edition of the Barcelona Podcast coming your way. Frances Tomas, of course, at ESPN FC fame, as well as The Guardian and Dan Hilton. We're delighted you're here listening to our opinionated take on the hottest breaking stories from the Camp New. If you're new here, please consider subscribing. You can like us on Facebook and you can find us on SoundCloud as well as, of course, on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. So you can check out the website links. We've got some exclusive deals as well shared with you in the description. We've got some transfer news to talk about today. Frances, let's get started. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. I'm really excited that uh, we're going to discuss the player that you're about to mention because uh, I think he will be a great addition for Barca. Somehow we've got through a few weeks so far not mentioning the first player in the main topic in today's show, and that is Riyad Mahrez, of course, the Leicester City winger slash striker and the Algerian international. Riyad Mahrez has been on the table for Barcelona in previous transfer windows as being a potential transfer grab. And last summer, he was on the club's radar, but Leicester City didn't want to sell him after winning the Premier League, which obviously makes a little bit of sense. And now, though, the player has asked to leave via an official transfer request after Leicester City were fighting relegation in the Premier League for much of the season before, in the last few months, they were able to win some games and get above the drop zone and make themselves safe for just a few weeks. But still, for most of the season and much of the winter, Leicester City could have found themselves being the first club ever to win the Premier League and then be relegated in the following season. And, of course, Mares, though, he is getting some attention locally in England and particularly in London, where there's interest from Arsenal, there's rumored interest from Chelsea, but his desire is to play in the Spanish League with Barcelona, and both the transfer fee and his wages seem to be affordable, though, Frances, due to his contract, again, coming up from the championship a few years ago, where he only scored, uh, since it's coming up from the championship with Leicester City, he's only scored four goals, 18 goals, 10 goals. Now, as a late bloomer, his contract has inflated as he's signed a new deal with Leicester, but he's still only 26, yet, again, he is affordable because Leicester City, not the biggest club, really couldn't pay him that egregious amount, and his release clause also pretty realistic. Yeah, I think Mares would be a great option in order to strengthen the Barca's midfield. Um, in previous episodes and you know in social media and pretty much any time you uh, look at your phone or you turn the computer on, uh, Barca seem to be linked with Berati from PSG, which, as we mentioned in our previous episode, I think would be a great addition. However, I see Mares playing a little bit more of the Arda Turan role at Barca, so I wouldn't see him as a regular starter from the word go. 
I would see him as someone who would push for a starting position. And then with hard work and determination, which he's got plenty, we saw it last year, um, he could um, break the starting eleven. Um, we let's, There's no two ways about it. At Barcelona, we are worried. And I think that's the, the best way to put it. We're a little bit concerned that um, Iniesta would leave because of age, not because he wants to go, but the fact that you know he's not, not ever going to be uh, 33 years old and be at his peak. So it will come to a point that Iniesta will have to move on. And uh, we are a little bit concerned that that magic, that spark, that willingness, that, um, you know, that secret magic wand that he tends to have uh, in games is going to disappear and go with him along the way. I think people like uh, Verratti or Mares or Rafinha or Suarez or Andre Gomez need to learn as much as they can from Iniesta in order to uh, to excel. Now, Mares was obviously incredible in Leicester City's magical season last year. Um, he won the Premier. Mares took the team to winning the Premier League. He was one of the four Leicester players named in the PFA Team of the Year. He then actually won the award, so he was PFA Players Player of the Year, being the first African player to ever win um, that award. Because he was so fantastic, he earned a four-year contract with Leicester, which he signed in 2016. So basically, he signed the contract until 2020. He finished seventh in the Ballon d'Or, which, if you think about it, given the fact that he played for a team that you know is not your Arsenal's or your Chelsea's or your Liverpool's or your Manchester City's or United's in, in England, uh, he was seventh in the Ballon d'Or worldwide nomination. He won the BBC African Footballer of the Year, and uh, he was their superstar. And that is why his cachet kept increasing, and that uh, why he was linked to, Bar to Barca last season. Now, he decided to stay at Leicester, which you know I think I would have done as well. But uh, given the overall sort of decline in terms of energy and effectiveness of the team, and you know also the other teams already know how to play Leicester a little bit more, um, I think it's the right time for him to move forward. Um, he did reach the quarterfinals of the Champions League this season, and uh, I think having a taste of for what European glory can be, um, he's now looking elsewhere in order to, to move forward. Um, and I would be delighted if he joined Barca, although I have said repeatedly that my first choice would be Verratti for the, for the job, but if we couldn't get Verratti or there was some spare money because we sell someone like Rafinha or Denis Suarez, then having uh, Mares at Barca would also be an advantage. I, I think Mares' style, as you had mentioned, almost perfectly fits more what modern football is, and that is the counterattacking style. And he's a guy that goes one on one against defenders, very much in the Neymar ilk. But for Mares, for me, you know, when you watch him play, while he is a different player than Pedro, what his role would be at Barcelona reminds me of what Pedro's in his last season at Barcelona, what his role was behind the front three. And while, again, Pedro didn't like that he wasn't starting as many games he would like and wasn't making as many appearances, if Mares coming on board completely understands that, and as we had talked about in previous shows as well, if, if early results in the beginning of the year, particularly with the backups, helps to rotate MSN, then Mares will wind up getting, you know, 30-plus appearances that will make those backups happy to, 
you know, having being able to be rotated with MSN and feeling like they have a proper place at the club. Yeah, I mean, it's not. We can't really deny the fact that Barca's target every year has to be to win the treble. So you can win the Copa del Rey, which we've done repeatedly over the last three, four seasons, and uh, that's great. That's fine. That's lovely. But the, the the target has to be to win La Liga and has to be to win the Champions League. And uh, I wouldn't even know in which order you would prefer those two. Me personally, I think the Champions League gives you most prestige, but then La Liga is the National League. That's that's the title that sort of praises your um, your consistency, your ability to be great week in, week out. So I think both championships would be what we want to be winning next year. Now, in order to do that, you can no longer have 11 players. Modern football has shifted. It's much more physical. It's much more demanding. There's a much bigger sort of responsibility given to players to perform not only on the pitch but beyond and uh, that adds and you know add all the long journeys that players have to um, to endure because of international breaks because of um, Champions League sort of traveling commuting and all that so yeah I think the fact that you can no longer win with 11 players is going to mean that you're going to need at least 17 18 regulars and by regulars, I mean players that could easily be playing or be benched. So players that are happy to jump in, players that are happy to uh, perform and don't need an adaptation process. And I think that's sort of an art that we really want Valverde to develop, is the fact of having 18 players that are constantly involved and they know they could get picked in any given way in order to, to start the game. So um, Mares would be a great addition to that. Andre Gomez, Alcácer... Um, you've got Jordi Alba, you've got Digne as well, you've got Umtiti, you've got Mascherano. So what I'm saying is players that are in the starting eleven or may not be in the starting eleven, and the, the, the team shouldn't suffer as a result. So Mares would only add, and if the board can afford it, without a doubt, we should be pushing forward for him. As we talk about all these transfer rumours in our previous few shows, I'm starting to see that I sound like a broken record in saying... Yeah, of course the player would be great, but at what price? So I think Mares is one of those first players, unlike Verratti and Bellerine and even Nelson Semedo from Benfica, that we've been talking about that seems to be affordable. And I think of anything else, while he is the least flashy name of almost any that we've mentioned so far, even Uzmane Dembele of Transfer Rumors, he seems to, mo- to be the most realistic and probable simply because, I mean, if he's acquired for you know even 25 million to get an attacker who again last year banged in still 10 goals in a down year for Leicester City 18 goals and that as you talked about that big you know seventh place finished Ballon d'Or season he had two years ago when Leicester won the Premier League so 18 goals that year 10 goals this year and four goals three years ago in an introduction to the Premier League you know you're basically buying goals and of course as we know in world football goals seem to be the most expensive um, unless your name is Paul Pogba, then kind of everything you do is the most expensive thing, of course, recently. And with inflated and inflated prices, again, you know, a guy of 10 goals caliber in the Premier League honestly costs 50 or 60 million euro. But if the club were able to find a way to negotiate, if if Leicester City, knowing that Mares would like to leave for Barcelona, is able to, again, f- figure out and work out a deal where, as we had talked about loans before, how maybe $25 million plus a loan of, say, a Denise Suarez was able to come to fruition, 
you know, then maybe that would make him uh, much more attractive from a fiscal sense as a transfer candidate. Well, Frances, we got to switch completely from uh, transfer rumors and players that we would hope to come to Barcelona to what Barcelona players are doing during the summer break. And for a number of them, unlike what we talked about last time in Lionel Messi not taking part in any major tournaments this year, of course, the World Cup qualifiers are going on around the world, particularly in Europe, in a fury. And speaking of a fury, you talk about the constant clashes between Gerard Piquet, of course, of Barcelona, and Sergi Ramos of Real Madrid. And those two have been center defenders on Spain together for all these years. They won two European championships together, one World Cup. And yet they're continually back and forth throughout the year when playing for Barcelona and Real Madrid, constantly in the news, just bickering with one another on Twitter, on social media, yada, yada, yada. And yet Ramos, even this week, says everything's been really good with PK. There's a good friendship between us, which is getting better every year. And I think that you can see that on the pitch each time we play together. Frances, emotionally, you know, I would love to hear what a psych- what a sociologist would take about this friendship and, and, and look at it and try to say, you know, is this just a healthy respect and they give lip service when they're with the Spanish national team, but these guys truly hate each other? Or is it that these guys are actually friends and, of course, for the fans, for either clubs, they just play up their rivalry during the season? Or is it a third option and the one that I kind of go with that this is just a whole lot of nothing and these guys are just being a little immature during the season, but then again, when it's time to play for their national team, they quiet down a little bit more and they show a little bit more respect to their Spanish crest. I think there's elements of everything you just mentioned. Um, the one I would go for, they're just two little kids uh, playing a game that people around the world, definitely in the Spanish media, but around the world as well, seem to really like to be witnessing. So I think it's just two little kids playing. Um, Gerard Piquet obviously represents Catalonia, represents Barca. He's really outspoken. Um, he really understands how to use social media to promote um, his own businesses, to promote his own image. Uh, obviously, he's married to Shakira as well, which is a worldwide superstar. I'm not saying that's the reason. Uh, what I'm saying is that you know there's huge amount of media attention on him, and uh, he knows that. And because he knows that, he enjoys uh, giving his audience, his social media audience, loads of um, topics to talk about. If you think about it, Piquet tweets about things like don't really have anything to do with him, such as tennis. He's a key follower of the NBA as well. Um, great um, fan of Formula One and even MotoGP. So he's always saying something. And um, I mean, as a player, there's, there's two ways to go about life. You can go about life like Iniesta, for example. Just, you know, because Iniesta has a lot of followers as well. I think he's closing on in 10 million followers in social media. And uh, when Iniesta always tweets, great day on training, ready for the next game, let's do it. And then the game is played and then he tweets, that was a great game, we're trying our best, let's continue pushing forward for our next objective. And that's what Iniesta does. That's not what Piquet is about at all. He likes tweeting, you know, crying emojis, uh, making fun of uh, whenever Madrid lose, criticizing referees, although not directly, indirectly in a very clever way. And uh, I think he really, really does enjoy it. And also, you know, particularly since Dani Alves left, no one in the Barca um, 
vast environment tends to have taken that role. So he's jumped and he's grabbed it with both hands. He's jumped right into it and uh, he's loving life. And uh, obviously the more stupid Piquet gets about promoting Barca, the more Cules love him. Um, I've been, I was walking around Barcelona City recently and uh, say three, four, five years ago, you would walk around and everyone was wearing Messi's top, which is obviously understandable because he's the best player ever. But there's a great number of people at Barca now um, that actually do wear the Piquet top to the stadium and around the city. Um, so although Messi is still very dominant, Piquet, Piquet's jersey sales have actually gone up quite a bit. And that's because of, uh, of what he represents for the team. And uh, in terms of Sergio Ramos, he just, he just gets really bitter about it. And uh, because he responds, you know, he's always hitting back then that makes it even more fun. And that, I think that's what it is. It's just two guys using social media and all of us to play a game when they secretly actually are quite fond of each other because they're two red players. And I think Ramos does understand from the Spanish national team perspective that, you know, with the way the Spanish media treats Pique, particularly when he plays in the Spanish national uniform, um, and the way that Gerard Piquet, of course, has been behind Catalonian independence so much in the past, of course, you know, where he's actually even made appearances for the, you know, what is the Catalan national team, which is, is an, an official FIFA recognized national team, but they still play matches and they still have a uniform. And we've seen Roberto, uh, Sergio Roberto play for them and Piquet and a number of different Barcelona players. Um, but I think for Ramos having to understand that, you know, the media is always on PK in Spain, particularly with the national team. So everything that PK does is quantified. Where if you know if PK gives up a, go- a goal, I mean a, a corner kick, then PK deserves to be dropped. You know, PK loses a 50-50 battle, and even if it doesn't lead to a goal, then you know PK deserves to be dropped. And so for we saw between Xavi Hernandez and uh, Iker Casillas throughout the years that you know cooling down that the Barcelona Real Madrid rivalry when it comes to the success of the Spanish national team, you can't it can't be compromised. So I think, you know, Ramos has to understand that in this, you know, relationship, he does have some kind of responsibility. And PK as well. They both have a responsibility to, you know, at least play nice and and make sure if it's light and fun, that's fine. We, you know, where they go back and forth as as opponents um, for their clubs. But when it comes down to national team duty, Spain can only succeed if their two most important center defenders are playing well and communicating well together. And even if they don't get along, you know, I, I think back to a, an American comedy group um, that's a little bit older, you know, through the years, but uh, the very famous Abbott and Costello, um, which again, global fans might not have heard of them, but you can give them a quick Google search, but Abbott and Costello, you know, were around um, decades and decades ago, but the two of them were said to, in their later years uh, in particular, they didn't speak to one another at all when the, you know, when the cameras weren't rolling or when the, they did a radio show as well. So when the mics weren't hot and when the, the film wasn't rolling, they would not speak to each other at almost at all. And so, you know, if it's, if that's the case where PK and Ramos only really, enjoy one another's company and speak to each other as friends when they're on the field, so be it, as long as, again, their rivalry doesn't jeopardize the success of the national team. Yeah, I think it all comes down to um, 
Jose Mourinho when he was in charge of Madrid, actually, uh, because at the time he wanted to destroy Pep Guardiola's Barca and he did everything he could um, in order to influence people's mentality and to turn it into a war. Now, Mourinho has traditionally throughout his career, you know, calling himself the special one and, and always blaming other people for think that, you know, for whatever reason, never really tend to go his way or very rarely tend to go his way. So that attitude that, but we're trying our best, but it's not happening because of X, Y, and Z seem to um, change, I would say, the the heart of what Real Madrid is. Now, I'm a Barca fan and I will forever be um, until I die. But people in Real Madrid and the Real Madrid as a club, they're a winning team. They're a team that have got their egos and they've got a winning, relentless, you know, fight until the very last minute attitude. And basically, it's either success or failure for Madrid, which is the same as Barca. But with Madrid, it's just, let's just fight until the very last minute. And if we fight until that 96th minute and we score the winner then, then that that it was definitely worth the effort. So I think and Madrid has always been like that. But when Mourinho came, he adopted a very sort of what I what I refer to as a loser's mentality. So always blaming other people, always making excuses, trying to um, influence players that had their values in the right way. Uh, like Iker Casillas, for example. I think that's why they didn't get on at all because Mourinho's message was really defeatist, was very aggressive. And uh, he just wanted to destroy everything that Pep Guardiola was building at Barca. So I think the Piquet-Ramos disagreements and sort of dislike came from there. Now, Spain were very successful in the 2010 to, say, 2014 period uh, as a national team. And if that was the case, it was thanks to uh, Xavi and Casillas, actually, uh, calling each other at the end of 2010, uh, well, mid-2010, in order to, you know, get them to get their the respective teammates to understand that actually there was, in the interest of the national team, it was better if all of that negativity, uh, all of that aggression, all of that hate that Mourinho was promoting was staying away from the national team. And uh, they managed to do that. They managed to succeed together. Uh, but I think that deep-rooted in everyone's mind, even today, is the fact that we, we as you know, as a national team, we don't really necessarily want to go back to that point in which we couldn't even speak to each other or look at each other's faces. Uh, someone like Arbeloa was really, really toxic at the time. And uh, I don't know if, um, if, if our listeners remember that Arbeloa was starting in the 2010 World Cup, but then disappeared in the next big, big tournament in 2012 because he was the most toxic uh, player in Madrid and uh, the Spanish national team. So people such as Arbeloa and Xavi Alonso even had to be moved on um, in order for, for the team to, to gel together and respect each other. Now, fast forward seven years from, from 2010, and it's what we have now, which is Piquet defending his field, Piquet trying to you know wave the flag for Catalan independence and um, Catalan pride, and, and really enjoying the fact that although he's Catalan and he clearly would like Catalan to be a separate state, he still plays for Spain. So he's like, I don't necessarily want to be part of this, but I am because I'm so good at football and I've got this sort of open door to, to criticize from within. And that uh, Ramos, on the other hand, is sort of the pure Spaniard, let's keep Spain together, 
let's uh, defend Real Madrid, let's fight to the very last minute. Um, great football professional who just stands for pretty much everything that Gerard Piquet doesn't. So they, from their positions of force, I think they're using us as puppets for, for their game show. But I think deep down, they actually do like each other. And of course, those two and Spain in a difficult World Cup qualifying group with Italy. So they're going to have to pretty much you know, take care of business each and every time out. Um, but most likely, we expect to see both Spain and Italy, um, depending on which one has to go to the playoff, we do expect both of those teams to wind up being at the World Cup 2018 in Russia. Um, as we head to our final topic of the day, Frances, and we'll keep it short with our fan mail question. And this comes from Peter. And he asks, well, he basically just asks, what about La Masia? And I don't know what exactly about, but he said, why not the same as seven years ago? What has happened? Well, I think to, you know, I basically, you know, I don't think this is a positive question as I don't think he's asking why La Masia collected so many trophies this season. I think he's just asking about, again, the same question we've been answering for previous weeks. Why is that pipeline seemingly dried up from the youth academy into the first team? You know, and this goes back to, you know, we'll keep this one brief and this will be a topic we continue to talk about for future weeks. But I, I think the brief answer I would give is that, you know, world football is changing. And, you know, as we talked about, even where you're getting, you know, even a Sergi Roberto, even a Rafina, getting those kind of guys to gel into the club. Again, they're still playing for FC Barcelona. They're still making appearances for their national team. They're still some of the best in the world um, at the game. You know, they're Sergi Roberto still, you know, you'd call him what a top, even top 30, potentially even top 20 at times right back in the world, which isn't too shabby. Um, and to have all of that talent come up through your club system Again, it's difficult, and I think you have to look at that transfer ban as well. I hope that those transfer bans, not just for Barcelona, but did kind of, you know, put some fear into those major clubs. And and this is speaking even of FC Barcelona, just put a little bit of uh, caution in those major clubs to have them make sure they're doing things the right way, that they're making sure that they're not just, you know, taking an 11-year-old kid and, you know, from somewhere else in the world and bringing him to Catalonia and then, you know, for, for the, or of course it has to be because his parents moved there first, but of course, you know, there are, we'll say, well, there are ways to find work and, you know, the parents can move in a certain way, but really it's because of the talent of the youngster. But then all of a sudden the youngster at 13 or 14 doesn't make the grade. And now you have a 13 or 14 year old kid that basically mortgaged their, their whole future to play professional football. And now it doesn't look like it's going to be a possibility you know, and, and so these major clubs do have a way to ruin lives. And so I, I think to have the club academy not be producing at the clip that it used to, I think to a point that's okay. But in the same respect, I think I would say hold your horses. As we've talked about in previous weeks, and I've made mention, if anybody watched the U-20 World Cup in South Korea, they would have seen that South Korea has two in, in, in Pak and Lee. They have two young South Korean um, both a midfielder and a forward from Barcelona that, you know, give it three years and you could see those guys banging in goals and controlling the midfield for Barcelona. And there's a number of young players. Um, you know, we talk about Carlos Alenia and Marlon Santos, who, yes, was brought in, isn't necessarily a, a youth product, but still, you know, was playing for Barcelona B. And I would say that there is talent and that it just, yes, it's not 
it's not going to be 75% of the club at FC Barcelona, but if you can get one or two, you know, every two or three years, I think that does still say, you know, into your starting 11, at least not just uh, as a role player, but into your starting 11, every one or two, three years, that's, I I think at at this point to be an elite club, that's going to be the percentage. Yeah. I think that we can't really expect miracles on a yearly basis. Uh, Barca were blessed with the generation of, um, let's say, Puyol, Xavi. But there were others in that generation. You had Gabri, for example, that also made the, the first team and then ultimately didn't stay in the club for too many years and or, or make a, a proper impact. But then you move forward to Pedro, Busquets. You've obviously got Messi, you've got Iniesta, you've got all sorts of players that have been really, really good for Barca, even Pedro, even. But um, I think the main difference is that when... Pep Guardiola was in charge of the first team. He came through the ranks. He was coaching Barca B for a couple of years. So he knew every player that was in a second team inside out. He also knew what they could bring to the first team. And as soon as he took charge of the first team, he analyzed what um, the squad was there at the time. And then he already knew which players he needed to pick on and, and sort of to trust to make that transition. Now, that is not something that we've got right now. Luis Enrique should have been ideal to do that, but for whatever reason, he was very poor at promoting La Masia players into the first team. Um, is that because the level of La Masia has dropped? Well, if you're comparing it to Messi, Iniesta, Xavi, yeah, of course it has dropped. They're you know, three of the best players to ever play the game, but they're still very valid players in the, in the second division, hopefully in the second division next year. At the moment, is. Segunda División B that they're playing. Hopefully, they will be promoted soon. But um, there's players that are really valid. Obviously, Dan, you just mentioned the two two Koreans, Pak and um, Lee, Lee Sung-wo as well. Um, but there's other players. There's players like Palencia that are pretty good. You've got Carla Salaña that has already been playing for, for the first team in, you know, in recent weeks, um, in the end of the La Liga season this year. So I, I've got high hopes that those sort of players will will make it if trusted. Obviously, Munir is another player that may be returning to Barca, uh, depending on uh, what Valverde feels once he really analyzes what he's got. Uh, Gerard de Lufeo, he's uh, been really good at Milan this year after having some impact in Everton. Um, Samper had a pretty poor year in Granada. But that is because the team was really poor and uh, I don't think it was a good fit for him. So there are a lot of players that could make the Barca first team. But if you're going to play a Barca and just be a bench warmer, then you may as well um, go away on loan, which is what Barca, the Barca board had sort of preferred in, in recent times. I think a lot of it, as we discussed, um, I think it was episode five of the, the Barcelona podcast here, uh, we were talking about using Girona. Now, Girona has just been promoted to the first division, so using Girona as a destination uh, would be great, and obviously Barca be a cheap promotion to the Segunda División, that would really be another step. So, going back to Peter's question, what about La Masia? Why not the same? Why was it not the same as seven years ago? It's because times change, and La Masia and world football is in a different position now as they were seven, eight, nine, ten years ago, and that what has happened is that the players coming through the system haven't been, haven't had the quality of those extraordinary players, fair enough, but I don't think they've gotten the degree of trust that they 
need in order to uh, excel at professional level. Yeah, I agree with you completely, Francis, and, and everything you said. Um, and I would harken back to what we were saying, where uh, there is a little bit of patience involved. I mean, you even look the most, probably the most famous 13-year-old soccer player right now, or football player in the world right now, is Xavi Simons, who is leading the, who is captain of the U14 side, um, who you know seemingly, you know, if you're following Bar- FC Barcelona on different social media, you know, he regularly winds up doing something, you know, absolutely, you know. Iniesta-esque in the midfield, even though his name is Xavi, you know, he's doing these just unbelievably dribbling, um, unbelievable dribbles with the ball in the middle of the field. And uh, he's one that, again, at only 13, he's already being tapped to be one of the, you know, very best teenagers. So who knows? I mean, if in five years time, we're looking at 18-year-old Xavi Simones and he winds up, you know, being considered one of the very best young teenagers in the world. Um, So I would say that, Across the board, there is still so much talent in the youth academy. Um, and as you mentioned, it really is just transfer fees for the world football are changing. Uh, players are just more and more expensive. Um, so that is, you know, that's changing the big picture. And where to bring in talent, it costs a little bit more, even even at, at the youth level. Again, look, I mean, Real Madrid just, just spent, you know, upwards $50 million for a 16-year-old Brazilian who is, you know, largely an unknown prospect. Um, and so even youth players are, are costing these big clubs more and more and more. Then again, those players have to wait till they're 18 to even, you know, have an impact or, 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 or you know, or, or play depending on different circumstances and, and FIFA regulations. So, um, you know, Frances, I guarantee that this is going to be a topic and the Youth Academy is going to be a topic that we will continue to talk about for future weeks. Yeah, I think and, and I'm very grateful about, you know, all the comments that we're getting back from people in social media. But um. This, this podcast is by Barca fans, for Barca fans. So if you're listening right now and uh, there is something that we sort of touched really briefly on that you'd like us to go into more depth, please let us know in the comments. Um, go to thebarcelonapodcast.com. You can comment there. You can comment on our Facebook page. Basically, whichever way you reach us, at some stage during the week, we will find it. So um, if any of the things that we said or sort of mentioned in passing interest you, then please let us know about it. And we can spend a bit more, t- spend a little bit more time um, talking about that. But um, thank you to the community for making the Barcelona Podcast.com the um, the go to site for Barca news. Really grateful. Of course, we do want to especially thank Peter for his question today. And as you said, Frances, if you want to see your question or hear your question on the podcast and again Facebook, SoundCloud, anywhere you might be listening, and you can also listen to us on iTunes. Give a download and a nice little review. Helps us make more shows and helps the community grow as we wrap up another edition of the Barcelona podcast. Of course, some of the hottest breaking stories from the Camp new And in the summertime months, again, we talk a lot about transfer rumors as the rumor mill is churning and churning and churning. But until next time, when we talk about most likely more transfer rumors, we'll talk to you soon. And of course, Forza Barca. Forza Barca.